and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. People ask me, how are you? Whether I'm boarding a plane or whatever, I say, I'm fantastic, but getting better. And I'll try again. Okay, how are you? That's it, that's it, because you're under a covenant. You're under a covenant. Success and freedom through giving. And some of you probably noticed that it didn't take the tithes and offerings. This is going to be the longest tithes and offering message you've ever heard. <laughs> I see some people looking at their watches back there. But as Henry VIII said to his wives, I won't keep you long. (laughs) I'm from Scotland. And you probably heard about the Scotsman who died, went to heaven, on arrival at the pearly gates. And Peter said, where are you from? He said, I'm from Scotland. He said, get lost. We're not making pottage for one. The Scots are a fairly resilient race, very successful race. And we have seldom seen eye to eye to the English. Any English people here? I shall speak slowly. (laughs) My wife is English. They're social climbers. They like to marry up, you know. (laughs) I can say that because she's not here. (laughs) The English have been conquered by the Romans the Normans, the Saxons, the Vikings, and the French. And none of those conquerors got into Scotland. They got to the wall. There was a wall between Scotland and England. They looked over the wall, and this is my theory why they didn't get in. They looked over the wall, and they saw these large, ugly, bearded creatures with dresses on. And they said, if that's the woman, we better get out of here before the guys come. (laughs) You think I'm joking. Now, in my job, I travel extensively, and when my, when my wife is not with me, she urges me to take it easy and smell the roses, because what I generally do is meetings in the morning, meetings at lunchtime, meetings in the afternoon, jump on a plane to the next city during the night, and uh, go, go, go. But uh, I was visiting Israel, and anyone been to Israel? Oh, a few people. Okay, well, the two largest vessels on the Sea of Galilee, we designed um, but at four hours between meetings in Jerusalem, and I could hear her voice, smell the roses, take in the culture. So I grabbed the cab and I said, take me to that place where the people bang their heads and wail. So he took me to the Israeli tax department. <laughs> My subject is, don't give up, just give. As you know, The Scots are big givers. (laughs) You may scorn. Compared to the Dutch, we're generous. Compared to the Kiwis, we're a legend. (laughs) But we've been giving... We gave the world penicillin, whiskey, golf, Bond, James Bond, 
the steam engine, TV, telephone, the pneumatic tire, and Dolly the sheep. You can leave this place and tell your friends who will listen to your Scotsman talking about giving. Actually, I was very happy. I came to this place when I was 14. I was really happy to come here because the little town that I came from, for three years in a row, nobody won the beauty competition. So I was very happy to come to Australia. So I'll, I'll explain that one later. <clears throat> this instruction book says whatever you sow, you will reap. But this is an instruction book on success. It talks more about success than any other one subject. If you do not believe me, get into it. But secondly, it's a contract of success. And it says in this book that uh, if you do what God tells you to do and you obey him, be obedient to him, he will look after you. He'll look after your health, your wife, your family, your business, your city, and your nation. Amen? Coming back to whatever you sow, you reap, it also says that. But one of the main ingredients in achieving success is having the ability and the willingness to give. Give money. Or if you don't have any money, give time for every good works and charitable donation. This was a message I was given many years ago from a visiting pastor came to our church. Sure, I thought, he just wants some money from a Scotsman. You know, I wasn't into giving. I came from a poor area in Scotland, a small shipbuilding town on the West Coast. Six kids. I was number three of six kids. Number three, they can never remember your name. You know? And uh, the deal at bedtime was that we had to, six of us had to jump into a big double bed, grab a piece of blanket, and hold on. I never slept alone till I was married. <laughs> uh, some of the young people didn't get that. <laughs> now, but being number three, I had plenty of hand-me-downs. So getting something new was a novelty. So giving things away was something totally foreign to me. But actually, the Scots have a long history of giving. They sent missionaries to most parts of the world in the 1800s. David Livingston made a huge impact in Africa as a missionary and an explorer. You've heard about Eric Liddell. Anyone know who Eric Liddell is? Chariots of Fire. You've seen the movie. All right. He was a, a missionary in China for most of his life. The Scot Andrew Carnegie, who founded the U.S. steel industry over 100 years ago, gave $325 million. And this was when dollars were really worth something more than they are today to charities. If you read his books, very inspirational. But around the same time the preacher gave me this message, I was on a flight to Melbourne, sitting next to a guy called David Smorgan. And uh, one of my buddies in uh, Brisbane, a Scottish guy, bumped me up in those days. It was when they had first class in the front of the domestic. So I sat next to this guy, David Smorgan. And I chatted to him, very nice guy. And uh, we talked about family and church and things like that. And, and uh, I was wrestling with this giving because I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. And uh, I said, what do, you, what do you think about giving? He said, well, I'm Jewish. He said, we are taught from this height to give. We're the biggest givers in this country. And I read that uh, shortly afterwards in the Bulletin magazine. 
They're the biggest givers in this country. And he said to me, are you a giver? I said, oh, yeah, sure. He said, what do you give? I said, the, oh, well, Red Shield Appeal. I said, I'd give $300. He said, it should be 30000 I said, oh, 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 I'm only running a small business with 10 guys. He said, well, that's why you're running a, business only, a small business only with 10 guys, because you're not giving. Oh, I said, oh, all right. He said, I'm challenging you to give. And he challenged me this 25 years ago, and I took up the challenge. And it didn't happen straight away. Stephanie was in a, my wife was in agreement. I said, look, we've got to start giving. I'm giving with a glad heart. If you want to give, but you've got to give cheerfully. If, you, if you're giving with a sad face or, oh, I don't think this is going to work because I've got lots of telephone bills and everything. Oh, don't do it. You know? And people say to me, well, should I, should I tithe from the net part? Should I take GST off? Should I? And I say, look, just start where you're feeling comfortable, even if it is just $2. As long as you feel happy about it. And then next week, make it four. Next week, double it again. Keep going until it hurts. In fact, do it when it hurts. So we started giving from uh, our company. And six months later, now this is after 10 years of having the same money. Guys, anyone here in a, in a uh, contractor business, you know, like an accountant, carpenter, lawyer, whatever, yeah, a few people, uh, you'll know that if you're only working so many hours a week with so many people working for you, you can only make the same amount of money. And, of course, we had the same amount of money for 10 years. And all of a sudden, we started sewing properly, giving checks of 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 10,000. Six months later, and it, it didn't happen straight away, six months later, it went whack, took off, absolutely took off. We started winning U.S. dollar contracts, better clients, people that wanted to pay us, not run away. <laughs> so, and uh, we watched, we, we've got, we had five other small companies, just little family companies, and we did the same from them. And we saw similar results. We were impressed, but at the same time discovered that many other Christians were still struggling. They, we found out that most were not into giving. They just didn't get it nor were they willing to try and get it. And we also saw non-business people struggling with their life and connected their non-giving. Now, if you're not in business, do you have a wallet? Put your hand up if you have a wallet or a credit card. You're in business. You're in business for looking after yourself. This, this is, you're in business, you know? When people say, mind your own business, this is what you should do. I'm telling you how to mind your own business. So the instruction book says, sow bountifully and you will reap bountifully. Now, Mark 6, 37, if you'd like to go there, illustrates a significant giving where Jesus and the disciple are feeding 5,000 people and some. Are you with me? Yep. Imagine, if you will, if you were one of the disciples... And you're having one-twelfth of this mega feed of the five loaves and the two fishes in your basket, okay? You're one of the disciples. Just imagine for a minute. So you've got the, in, uh, the fish on the Sea of Galilee. They're only this long. 
the loaves are only at this long, skinny things. You know? So you've got one-twelfth of this, so which means you have, as if you were one of the disciples, you've got this amount of fish, and you've got this amount of loaves in your little basket. Now, I, I believe that Jesus must have said something to them, two instructions. Don't look in the basket. Just give, and I'll give it to you. Now, see how good your maths is. You're uh, one of the 12 disciples. You've got 5,000 people. How many people are you feeding? Roughly? Close enough. For more than 400. It's actually 417. You're going to feed 417. Could you imagine? Don't look in the basket. Because if I fed half of my 417 and I came across on the other side and they didn't like fish or wanted hamburgers... Um, and when I, if I looked in the basket, I'd say, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. I haven't got it, right? But they did. They did the job, and they had some more. A few hours later on the Sea of Galilee, the boat is bouncing around. Jesus is out strolling on the water, and the disciples are freaking out. And in verse 52, 652, Jesus is ticked off at the disciples because they had not understood the miracle of the loaves because their hearts were hardened. I like the Good News Version. The Good News Version said their minds couldn't grasp it. They just didn't get it. You know? True. And people say to me, wouldn't it have been great to be at the feeding of the 5,000? Listen, we're here. We're here. There is so much need everywhere. But the message is the same. Don't look in the basket. Don't look in your wallet. Don't ask your accountant. You know, Just keep giving. And if you don't have any money, give your time. It's the same thing. God wants your heart. He wants your obedience. He just wants your obedience. The deal in the contract is you do what he says to do, and it's about looking after other people. It's not looking in the mirror. It's looking after other people. You will get uh, blessed. You can't get heat out of a fire or wheat out of the ground unless you put something in first. You have to put something in first. And give sensibly at first, as I said. If it's just $2, just do it. But then keep pushing the limit. Push it all the time. Even in the tithes and offerings this afternoon, double what you normally put in. Yes, why not? Why not, indeed? You watch God blessing you. You can't outgive God. And be persistent about it. And don't expect any instant results. So, I believe you've got a mission overseas. And the Solomons, is it the Solomons? And the Solomons. So if, we, if I contributed to the Solomons mission today, I wouldn't expect a, a, a result from the Solomons or any particular shape and form this week, next month, or next year. I just keep sowing all the time, all the time. I'm a, I'm a compulsive sower of my time and my money, right? In life, if you don't like what you're getting, change what you're doing. Okay? I'll say it again. If you don't like what you're getting, change what you're doing. Given it shall be given, the instruction book says. And I tell you, in business, nothing is given to you. If you want to do the 30-hour week in business, you've got to do it twice a week or three times a week because it's that tough. People who run their own business will tell you that. I've run my own business for a long time. I'm now semi-retired, so I'm down to 96 hours a week. 
I challenge you to give. But I can't afford to give. Listen, you can't afford not to give. I'm telling you. Especially if you're on the ropes. When you don't feel like it or can't afford it, that's the best time to give. And this, is, this instruction book is how to handle the supernatural naturally. It is. My good friend Malcolm Lindridge, who used to run the care center in Bean Lee, and uh, he turned up at our church. And uh, the message was on the storms of life. And as we were walking out, I said, Malcolm, what are you doing here? Because he had a little church in Bean Lee. He said, oh, they've diagnosed me with an inoperable brain tumor. And they've given me three weeks to live. I said, really? I said, well, that's a good challenge. There's an anointing here. Come out to the pastor. We'll pray for you. So we went out the front, and we prayed for him. And three days later, I'm driving up to Brisbane, and I took a left-hand turn. He lived up near Beanley. And I said, how's it going, Malcolm? He said, uh, it, it is well. I said, oh, good. How's your church? He said, oh, most of them have left because if they figure out if God lets that happen to the pastor, what chance do they have? You know? <laughs> I said, well, Stephanie and I are still standing in agreement with you. He said, oh, bless you heaps. And I get led to say to him, okay, how would you like to sow? Do you believe in sowing and reaping? He said, yes. I said, how would you like to sow something you've never, you haven't got? Time. He said, what have you got in mind? I said, I'd like you to go to Palm Island. I said, Palm Island is a rat's nest of evil. I said, we run a little ferry service. We're doing a little job for the government, running a ferry service there. And it's got Australia's highest domestic violence Highest AIDS, highest youth suicide, high, highest drunkenness. It was just a terrible place. I've got two little churches, and I've tried to encourage some of the pastors to get up there. No one will go. I said, I'd like you to go. Sow your time. Take some of the youth, the music ministry. I said, Stephen, I'll pay all the bills. Fly up to Townsville, hire a van, do, get across on the ferry. Okay, I'll do it, he says. I'll do it. Great. Two weeks later, I'm in Fremantle. Stephanie rings me. She said, I've just heard from Malcolm Lindridge. There is not a sign of the tumor. There is no sign of the tumor. And this is about sowing. This is about sowing and reaping, giving, you know. And uh, 24 years later, I had him on a stage when I was uh, illustrating this message a couple of years ago. I said, here he is. This isn't a hologram. This is a, guy, this is a guy that got a total healing from an inoperable brain tumor for his giving, for his sowing. So challenge God to participate in your life. There was another message I had from a visiting speaker you know, about giving. He said, challenge God to participate in your life. If you haven't heard him lately, next time you're in the car, switch down the volume and say, Father God, I haven't seen you for a while. How about I'll challenge you to participate in my life? So I heard this pastor saying that. I said, okay, good idea. Driving up to Brisbane, switch off the music. And I said, Father God, uh, I haven't seen you for a little while, but I challenge you to participate in my life. I make myself available. He's only after your availability. He's not after your capability. I said, I make myself available. Two days later, I'm sitting doing a tender. And it's 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon, and I'm writing away, I'm trying to beat the clock. And this very loud thought 
It wasn't a boy voice. Some people hear voices, some people see things. I just got a very low thought. Buy Tom Dobby a ticket from Hong Kong to Beijing. Tom Dobby was a Scottish itinerant pastor friend of mine who had sold his house on the Gold Coast, gone up there, was smuggling Bibles into China. He was running underground Bible schools in China. I hadn't heard from him for 15, 18 months. And this is in the days of the telex, right? I said, so I thought, that's very strange. So I went, I said, Stephanie, she was in the office. I said, Stephanie, can you buy Tom Dobby a ticket, a business class ticket, Hong Kong to Beijing? She said, okay. Uh, so she came back five minutes later. She said, oh, they don't have business class in that sector. I said, make it first. He's on the king's business. She said, have you seen the cash flow lately? I said, yes. Make it first. He's on the king's business. So she got to, she said, what about the date? I said, Steph, you pick a date. I'm trying to finish this tender. So, all right. And this was early January. So she picked April the 7th. She comes back with a piece of paper. She said, here's the, here's the confirmation number, the reservation number. I said, oh, great. So I scribble on it. Dear Tom and Pam, thank you for doing heaps. heaps. Uh, thanks heaps for what you're doing. You're doing a great job. And here is a Cathay Pacific reference number. You go in there with some identification. They will give you a first-class ticket, Hong Kong to Beijing, April the 7th, open return. It is worth 1,362 US dollars. It's cashable, it's a full IASA ticket. It's cashable, you can use it for your church. You can use it for another route or whatever. <clears throat> Put it in the, tele the, the fax machine and uh, send it off. Within 10 minutes, comes back through in texter from Tom's wife, Pam. Dear Stuart and Stephanie, thank you for following God's leading. The Chinese government have decided to start the negotiations of the reintroduction of Christianity into China. And Tom is one of the 10 pastors to come to the first meeting in Beijing on April the 8th. <clears throat> and we didn't, have, we didn't have the money for the ticket. And two nights ago, we started praying that God would supply our needs. You know, It still makes the hair in the back of my neck stand up. It's just... When you see God in action, it is fantastic. So I challenge you to challenge God. Sure, you want your kids to be blessed. You want your marriage to be blessed. You want your health to be blessed. So how come you don't want to be a blessing? Even the parable of the Good Samaritan, by chance the priest came along, then a Levite, but both chose to ignore the beaten man. The chance was for both of them to be blessed. You know, it really was. Galatians 6.10 says, take every opportunity every opportunity. I got to tell you young kids or you younger people, you know, if you're going to be Christians, be Christians. And if, if you're being Christ-like, you're walking around, see kids, what are you doing up the tree? Woman, what are you doing across at the well? So many young people are like this, you know, glued to the iPad, you know, walking through the, the Queen Street Mall, not seeing anything, you know. There's so many people in need. Is that true? That's true. Keep looking for opportunities. This isn't an opportunity for someone to be blessed. It's for you to be blessed by being a blessing. You can't do that glued with your, glued fa your face glued into an iPad or an iPhone. <laughs> this is not criticism. It's just a suggestion. <laughs> 
You know, I, I'll give you an example. You know, I was walking through Singapore airport once, and uh, we we're about to board a plane to Dubai. I turned around, my wife's not there. She's back holding, uh, cuddling a, a girl, about 22 years old, who was crying. So I go back and said, Stephanie, you all right? She said, this is Abby. She's on a, a world adventure with her very best friend, and they're going to Europe, but her very best friend fell in love at the first airport, which was Singapore, and went the other way. And her very best friend wants to know, shall, we, shall she go home, back to Melbourne? And I'm saying she shouldn't. She, she's on the same flight as us. She should come with us. And she's sitting in your seat now, so you're sitting down in economy. Okay, no problems. But that's the heart of my wife. Look for opportunities. You always look for opportunities. And the, and the, the start of each week, we have a prayer session in our, in our company where we pray for protection of all the travel. We do a lot of travel, you know. And uh, this but one particular day, uh, Monday, there was one of the guys praying, and, and right at the end I said, oh, P.S. Heavenly Father, we also like to pray protection on the flights this week. And I was coming back from a charter flight in uh, Gladstone, one of these little executive planes with uh, eight or ten seats. And... Uh, the door blew out at 8,000 8, feet. Now, that particular plane, the door used to, when it did happen before, the door blew out, smashed the tailplane, and the plane was gone. This missed the tailplane, you know? So the plane was wobbling around, the papers flying around, people hugging each, side, each other inside. And when we finally landed, everyone was shaking, except for me. They said, you don't seem worried about this. I said, God, you guys should be lucky because God's got his hand of protection on me. You know? And I said, I prayed protection. Hmm, really? Yes. So, we have four boys. We have four sons and four grandsons. Number five grandsons on the way. We don't do girls at all. You know? <laughs> but two, two of the, the older boys were on the Christian ship, the Doulos. And uh, until they left home, the two youngest ones were on a life support system, the refrigerator. And I bought them flappy earmuffs for Christmas, and they said, Dad, why are you doing this? I said, your head's in the fridge so often, I didn't want you to get frostbite. But I left, I left home at 16. I went to sea. I was a seafarer for seven years. I was a navigator on passenger cargo ships. And then I... I felt my talent was in ship design because I kept on drawing. God gives us all a talent. And you just, if some of you young people don't know what your talent is, keep traveling until you find your talent. You will always find your talent, but keep looking. You won't find it in the mall at Noosa, you, but if you travel, uh, you'll find it. I'm being serious. But anyway, for our, our boys were growing up in a time of high unemployment, uh, drugs, suicide, so we decided to give, to give, to give our boys a better chance. So we put them in Christian schools, put them into a good Christian church, a good, alive Christian church, and we thought that was great. And we gave them a fairly hectic social program, and uh, including indoor mountain climbing, canoeing, you know, so we were always challenging them, you know, and uh, restricted their TV and their internet time. Very important. You know, you 
They need your education and your input, not the input of an electronic machine. At the church, they form friendships and bonds that they still have many years later. But some of our friends, some of our good friends said, oh, we're not going to have any of that Jesus stuff for our kids, which I just find astounding. I just find astounding. Listen, every Sunday morning, I'm in a church like this, you know. This is what I would call the center of anti-depression, you know. Because you could not possibly get depressed when you listen to fantastic music like these guys dished up this morning. The praise, uh, the message from the pastors, Josh, Christian, you know, this is good stuff. You know, so the top selling drug in our country at the moment is antidepressants. It's a shame, shame. So when people say to me, what do you do Sunday morning? I said, I'm not going to a car boot sale. I'm going to the center of antidepressant, you know. I said, a church, this is terrific stuff. Anyway, so we're going back to my words. <clears throat> if children live with criticism, they'll learn to condemn. If they live with hostility, they will learn to fight. If children live with security, they will learn to have faith. And convincing kids to study endlessly and end up with an esoteric PhD in dry cleaning or basket weaving um, is all very well. But nurses, plumbers, carpenters, electricians are already on the endangered species list. Do I hear an amen? And they will, also, they will also command a good salary and can always get a job. And from a solid foundation, you can go back and pursue any academic qualifications. I did a... I went to sea, and then after I went back to naval architecture, but then years later I went back and did a, a master of philosophy, and then I, did a, I was awarded a, do, a doctorate in science. A doctorate in science. So, but uh, we've sold our designs to 47 countries through God's blessing, God's grace only. Only. There is a not-so-old Scottish saying, life is like a toilet roll. The closer to the end, the faster it spins. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Easter already. <laughs> Christmas already. Wow. You've got to be kidding me. You know? So life is a short apprenticeship, so you should give it your best with the emphasis on the word give. And only a few people give their time and money, or the time or the money. Even less people give their kidneys and other body parts and acts of unselfishness. Very rarely someone gives their life an unconditional uh, unselfishness, but we've seen it in war or in the case of unconditional love. Nobody in their right mind would give the life of their son, especially to a bunch of selfish, argumentative, disrespectful, dishonest people. The only one, the one and only way that you would give the life of your son is to save the kids, the lives of your other kids. And that's the way God views us. That is the way God views us. He views us as his kids. But not only did he give his son, he gave us a great covenant, this, this contract, this one-sided deal that is so much in your favor that you would have to be crazy to ignore it and to try and grasp it and get it, put it to action. And uh, like many people in this country, the banks called my overdraft in 1989 where we had a prime minister... Mr. Keating, who said we had to have a recession that we had to have, 
and we had interest rates of 18, 19%. Anyone remember that? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I lost the company. Lost the company, lost the lot. The bank thought that they could do a better job, so they came along and went to lay off 300 people at that stage. And, uh, but anyway, they took my company, my house, my car, and unfortunately, not the kids. And, uh, <laughs> oh, but I do remember, I'd finally, I had a love affair with uh, Range Rovers. And I'd always had second-hand Range Rovers. And in those days, the Range Rovers would pass anything on the road except for a garage. And I finally got a new one. And just then, the banks moved in against me. And it was only two, two months I had this new car, and I was so happy with this new car. Guys, guys and cars are like this, you see. Ladies, just to explain. But as they took it away, my eight-year-old son, who knew I loved that car, he said, Dad, why are they taking away your car? And I could see him looking. I was dying inside. I said, Ross, I said, uh, they must love it more than me. Oh, that's all right, Dad. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> so, and my son Ross just got married two days ago, so I was very happy about that. So, anyway, the storms will always come. The storms of your life will always come, right? Most of us start with a $5 faith, coming out of uh, a normal Christian school upbringing. You come out with a $5 faith. And when you have a $50, $60, $70, or $80 problem, you can't eliminate, the only way you can get the $80 problem tackled is to lift your faith so that it's $80. You've got an $80 faith. You can't do it with a $5 faith, you know. So in all these exercises where I put God's word in action, my faith grew. When I see people like getting tickets mysteriously and just people getting healed from incurable diseases where I was right on the cold face, I didn't hear third party or fourth party, I, I saw it myself, you know, I was involved with it myself, so I believe it totally. So as a young Christian, if you want some advice, find out what talent God has given you. When you find your talent, do everything possible to learn as much as you possibly can about it. I went to sea, I understood ships, I understood navigation, then I went back to square one and learned design. And with that background, I then took my company to probably the top three in the world in the design of the ships that we do. But with God's grace, always with God's grace. Apply for a job at the best company you want to work for. That will use your talents, even if you have to write to them three times, and then turn up three and offer them three weeks' work for free. They'll listen to you then. They won't answer your letters. I'm being serious. Read closely about heroes, and you will see they're all motivated by giving of themselves. You know? Give praise to whenever you can. Most people just complain and criticize. You know? Give praise to your parents. Give praise to your kids, even when their efforts fall short of uh, the mark. Give your body a treat. Some exercise. Exercise. Good food. I do Hatha yoga every morning. I get on the rowing machine. We used to call it a boat, but it's a rowing machine these days. Politically correct. Um, and I eat healthy food. Give praise to your husband or wife. Forget about the black humor. 
which only erodes a relationship. But I do remember a very good joke about the, the Scottish guy driving down the motorway erratically at 150 clicks. And he's all over the place. And the police finally pulled him over and said, you, sir, have been driving erratically for the last 20 kilometers, and your wife fell out of the car 10 kilometers ago. Oh, he went, wow, that's a relief. He said, what do you mean? He said, I thought I'd gone deaf. Uh, that's not good. This is not good. Yes, give praise. <clears throat> give praise to your employer or employees for just being there. And remember, if you don't like what you're getting, change what you're doing. And remember, one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. For you single people in this church, young or old, find a, a spiritual partner, somebody to help you get 10 times more effective. Give support to the pastors, the ministers, the priests, and the volunteers, and to those who lend a hand in the community. Every time you see this pastor, you know, Pastor Josh, Chris, just uh, don't walk across the other side, of the, or don't go to them and ask for help because your cat's not well, or, or the second the laundry tap is broken or something, you know, because some, so many people dump on pastors. You should jump across the road and give them a free meal voucher for the Hilton or the Sheraton or something, you know, and say... Pastor, you're doing a great job. You need to support your pastor. Do I hear an amen? Amen. 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 <laughs> Go to church regularly or all the time and give praise to a good God for just waking up healthy in this great state of Queensland. You know? I wake up every morning, you know, and and I get out of bed, if nothing's fallen off during the night, I think it's going to be a good day. But as you get older, some of the older people testify, your, your eyesight gets a little bit dim. But I go down to the, into the mirror in the, in the bathroom, and I, I look in the mirror and say, I don't know who you are, but I'll brush your teeth anyway. <laughs> Remember, you may jump for joy, and adoration about your sporting heroes or your favorite singer, you know, up there, yes, yes, yes. But they won't be able to help you when the storms come in. The storms will always come in. And if you're a Johnny Farnham fan or somebody like that, you know, just you're rocking and rolling, it's showing my age a bit, um, you're not going to be doing a bedside vigil saying, dear Johnny Farnham or dear Brisbane Lions, please help me. <laughs> yes, you put your hands up and praise. Get your hands up and praise a good God who is alive, well, and waiting for you. you know? Make a difference by giving people your assistance, your humor, your attention, and spread happiness, not misery. There's, we've already overdosed with that. And if you stumble in your life, whether it's with your family, your health, your business, don't give up. Never, ever, ever give up. Uh, during the 89 crisis... When the banks grabbed me, I had a couple of mates that they also grabbed, and two of them suicided. Now, never take a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Okay? So, and I only wished I knew what was in their heart, you know? Well, if you're stumbling in your search for God, don't ever give up. 
because he will never give up on you. This is true. Every day, every hour, every minute is special, and you don't know when it's going to be your last one. It's funny how you get a little older and wrinkles appear, and for you guys, the hair doesn't quite have enough energy to get to the top, and it comes out of your ears and your nose instead. <laughs> and, uh, but the good thing is that you, you're at the age where your secrets are safe because your friends can't remember them either. <laughs> My challenge to you is to give your attention to making a difference. And you can't take your money or your possessions with you. The hearse doesn't stop at the bank on the way to the cemetery. You know, I've been to lots of funerals late. The hearse never stops at the, at the bank. <laughs> so if you've understood this message of giving, you can go out and be active in giving your life will be more rewarding and you will have a succession of good memories because in the end, it's about good memories. You know? You'll have a succession of good memories. In summary, today is the beginning of the rest of your life. Today. If you've understood anything of what I said, get into giving, but don't harbor any regrets. Don't harbor offenses as this will stifle your growth. Any, any unforgiveness or offense, the Bible's very clear about it, get rid of it. Yes, she did you wrong or he did you wrong or whatever. Forget it, let it go, you know. Become your own hero. You are then the hero of your own story, so you give it your best for the sake of your success, the success of your family and your city and your nation. Now, coming back to the subject of giving, Tithes and offerings. You thought Christian had forgotten about the tithes and offerings. <laughs> the signal's going around the hall. Christian, you forgot this. <laughs> Christian, would you like to come? So, would you like to do the tithes and offerings? Because they're going to be pouring heaps in today <laughs> and next week. And uh, the, the mission in the Solomons and Bangladesh, everywhere. You'll be doing great works. Bless you. <laughs>